A week ago, a representative from the Roman Curia decided that the waning days of Lent would be the proper time for the masses at St. Peter's Basilica to be curtailed, with only masses on the official schedule being permitted. The long tradition of St. Peter's Basilica is that the faithful can attend the mass at the side altars and side chapels at the basilica at virtually any hour of the day, as long as they find a priest who is willing to say the mass. And it can be done in either the Novus Ordo in the language of their choosing, the traditional Latin mass in its low mass form, or even in other Latin rite liturgies, like the Ambrosian rite or the Dominican rite or anything else, that would be compatible with the setup of the side altars. That practice, one of the most incredible and beautiful things in all of Christendom, that practice of having numerous masters offered simultaneously in the same room, is now a part of history, leaving St. Peter's Basilica feeling more like a museum than a house of God. Numerous clergy have described the feeling as being something different than anything they've experienced in that holy place in all the time they've been in Rome. And that's not really surprising. The only masses available now are the regularly scheduled Masses, which are, most, for the most part now, con-celebrated Novus Ordo Masses, with a few traditional Latin Masses being relegated to the underground and out-of-sight chapels. Edward Penton found instead two early con-celebrated Eucharists this weekend instead of the normal, traditional thing that at any point in church history you would have found. And these Masses had one to three con-celebrants. And the main mass was at 8.30 in the morning, with a total of eight people in the pews. And it was in a chapel behind a curtain, not at the main altar. Penton confirms the evident fact that apparently Francis did in fact endorse the decision, and that was not terribly surprising. According to Penton, he was helped by a close confidant, uh, Cardinal Bianamino Stea, the prefect for the Congregation for the Clergy, and other cardinals close to him. None of those cardinals who assisted Francis in making this decision were among those cons celebrating the Novus Ordo Masses that are permitted at the Basilica. And why should they? I mean, they have their own cathedrals, their own titular cathedrals that come with their title for of being a cardinal archbishop in the Roman Curia. There was also a traditional Latin Mass being offered, and it was, as I said earlier, underground. The Masses held at side chapels in the Basilica proper have been sparsely attended. It's as if the holy aroma from the thuribles had been whisked out of the air, leaving only the feel of a museum, and again, not what you would expect in a house of God, and especially not the most iconic house of worship in all of Christendom. Now, the effect of the transformation at St. Peter's Basilica into a museum is now complete, and the faithful will be witnesses to it. Gloria TV's English language news service reports that Francis's Holy Week schedule has been released, and there is a lot there for those with eyes to see. Quote, the Vatican published on March 23rd Francis's Easter calendar. He will preside in St. Peter's in the presence of a very small congregation. The Palm Sunday procession is no longer on the schedule. Cardinal Ray, age 87, will replace Francis at the Eucharist of the Lord's Supper in St. Peter's. Until 2020, Pope Francis celebrated this Eucharist with a foot-washing ritual. Now that he's not going to do this, it seems he has lost interest in the liturgy. The Way of the Cross will not take place at the Colosseum, but will t be a Francis one-man show in front of St. Peter's without the faithful. And due to the local conditions in Italy, the Easter Vigil will start at 7.30 p.m. The Urbi at Orbi Blessing will not be from the Loggia, but will be inside St. Peter's. The Eucharists will be presided at the table of the chair, not at the main altar under the Baldachin, which has not been used for months." End quote.
Did you catch that? For this, the holiest Mass of the year, on the Feast of the Resurrection of our Blessed Lord, at the sort of flagship chapel in all of Christendom, Francis is not using the main altar at St. Peter's, but is instead continuing the use of the table of the chair, which is not the main altar at the Basilica at all. Francis hasn't used that altar in many months, specifically, if reports are accurate, since October 2019, when St. Peter's was, was dedicated to the Pac-Man Mama. Now, at that time, an icon of that was placed over the place where the relics of St. Peter were, were housed, in an important symbolic gesture that cannot be forgotten by anyone, again, with eyes to see. And Francis did not miss it, and has since then limited the Mass to very strict circumstances that have left the Basilica nearly silent for most of the rest of the day. As I said earlier, prior to this move going to effect, the faithful would be greeted by the sounds of prayers being offered to God as the Holy Mass was being offered on all the side altars, or most of them, simultaneously at virtually all hours of the day. Now that is no longer the case. The Mass was perpetually being offered at St. Peter's, but no longer is. And there is something very important in that which we should not overlook. At the heart of the church, the Mass was offered nearly 24 hours a day, often multiple times simultaneously, but now only is during regularly scheduled hours. You know, Cardinal Newman once wrote in a personal letter of his, of his about the concept of the Great Cathedral, and what the Great Cathedral really is, and what a cathedral does for the faith. And that's a lengthy quote, but you'll see why I'm doing this. Quote, As I have said for months past, that I never knew what worship was, an objective fact, till I entered the Catholic Church and was partaker in its offices of devotion. So now I say the same on the view of its cathedral assemblages. I have expressed myself so badly that I doubt if you will understand me, but a Catholic cathedral is a sort of world, everyone going about his own business, but that business is a religious one, groups of worshippers, and solitary ones, kneeling, standing, some at shrines, some at altars, hearing mass and communicating, currents of worshippers intercepting and passing by each other, altar after altar lit up for worship, like stars in the firmament or the bell giving notice of what is going on in parts you do not see, and all the while the singers and the choir going through matins and lauds, and at the end of it the incense rolling up from the high altar, and all this in one of the most wonderful buildings in the world, and every day. Lastly, all of this without any show or effort, but what everyone is used to, everyone at his own work, and leaving everyone else to his." End quote. Another way we can look at it is this. St. Peter's Basilica and the great cathedral similar to it are cities of prayer. They're cities at prayer. When the faithful enter the cathedral, the mass is being said on all the altars, the various people praying the rosary or other individual devotions, adoring the sacrament in the tabernacle. All of it is like a city at prayer, with each individual or group praying on their own, but still with the same focus, for the same cause, and, and in the end for the same devotion. It's a powerful practice, and as a consequence of the mysterious rule issued by the Secretariat's office, a practice that is largely gone now. The cathedral, St. Peter's Basilica, is largely quiet, a museum that is a testament to the glorious past of the church, but now accurately reflects the condition of the church in our present. It reflects almost perfectly the papacy of Francis, who often preaches a gospel of works, but rarely one of prayer and devotion, and even when he does, it's always wrapped up in works. One only needs to look at his now-forgotten Declaration of the Year of St. Joseph for an example of that. And if you are not familiar with that, my video from just a couple of days ago is on that exact topic. The Pac-Man Mama cannot be overlooked in all this. 
Recently, Ann Barnhart posted her personal account of something that she experienced years ago at St. Peter's Basilica. If her account is accurate, then what she experienced was an encounter with the Infernal. Her story has taken off, flying to all corners of the internet, so you may have seen it. If not, instead of recounting the details of it, I'll let you read it for yourself. I've got it linked in today's show notes at returntotradition.org, as usual. She experienced contact with the Infernal when she attempted to go to confession in St. Peter's. And when she reported her experience to one of the prelates in charge of the basilica, he acted not surprised in the least and said that there was nothing that could be done, and that no one in the Roman Curia was the least bit interested in that, as if he had heard this story from numerous others before. She recounts going to a nearby Dominican parish and making her confession there afterwards, and telling the priest what had happened, and he wasn't surprised either. And this was before the Pac-Man Mama was celebrated in St. Peter's in 2019. Again, it was before all of that. And all I am reminded of in this is Malachi Martin's Windswept House and the famous story that opens that novel. Now what do you think? Am I wrong to connect the Pac-Man Mama to the state of the Basilica and to Windswept House? Let me know in, your comment, in the comments, please, and like and subscribe. It really does help this channel. And please, pray for the church. Thank you for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.